1: Welcome to the RAA Podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Rick Kaler from Kaler Financial. Rick, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Seth.
1: My pleasure. Let's go back in time just a little bit. How did you get started in the industry?
0: Oh, I got started uh, sometime around 1979 or so. I thought I invented financial planning. (laughs) I said, there's nobody being an advocate for the client. And uh, then I found out that actually the College for Financial Planning had been formed, I think, four years before that. So I was not the founder, but it, uh, it was a uh, quite a while ago. And it was in being an advocate for the client. I was in commercial real estate; I had a designation in that. We were taught to look at the big picture, and I just said, you know, there is nobody standing with the client saying you need this, you don't need that.
1: Absolutely. And you were in the business before you had that realization, yes?
0: No, I was uh, I was not in uh, as far as the financial services business or selling mutual funds or anything like that. I was actually in real estate. And then I saw there was a CFP designation. So I went ahead and uh, got that. I think I finally got it in 1983 and it was the first CFP in South Dakota. So it was way back in the day.
1: Well, congratulations on that, and talk a little bit about, obviously, your career has perhaps had some changes over the last 40 years. couple. (laughs) Can you share a little bit about your journey along the way before Taylor Financial was born?
0: Well, I started a, uh, I forget what we called it, uh, but a firm with uh, another gentleman. We were feeling from the beginning, and um, I was basically focused on investments. I actually did not uh, allow any of my financial planning clients to purchase real estate from me because I had both things going on. So that just morphed over the time as I learned more and more about financial planning, uh, attended a lot of industry events, uh, especially the retreat with FPA. And grew up in that. And then, yeah, I've had some course changes as I've learned more about comprehensive financial planning the benefit of that. And then uh, probably more recently, back in around 2000, started looking at the intersection of emotions and money and started incorporating that into my uh, financial planning service and then got into something uh, that I helped co-found called financial therapy.
1: Talk a little bit more about emotions and money, because I think money is such a financially charged topic. I think a lot of financial planners don't even address the emotional side.
0: It's a hugely charged topic, and the research shows between 80 and 100% of all financial decisions are made emotionally. Uh, That really blew my mind when I first uh, heard that, and I thought that can't be, and that I must be the only person on the planet that doesn't make emotionally charged money decisions. (laughs) That was the wrong answer, as it turned out. Uh, Yes. Uh, We all do. And so you have the financial planning investment uh, uh, disciplines over here, and when an emotion gets out in the room, it's kind of like, let's get back to that uh, mutual fund chart or whatever the technical things are. And on the other side, you have the behavioral change specialists, which are the mental health profession. And they are not taught money and don't do money and kind of run from money like cockroaches from light. So in the middle, you've got nothing. No discipline is addressing both the dollars and the cents and the emotions. And that's where financial therapy uh, has stepped in. And financial therapy is um, financial life planning on steroids.
1: Okay. And talk a little bit more about the financial therapeutic process, if I'm saying that correctly.
0: Yeah, it's uh, just the combination of the two. So there can be, uh, when I do financial therapy with with clients, and I have two firms, a, a financial planning firm and a financial therapy firm, you'll start with the money, you know, what's the problem? And usually a person that benefits from financial therapy is typically stuck around some financial problem. And we know uh, 2% of all financial problems can be solved with more information, and that's what we in the financial planning profession are really good at well let me give you some information yeah you're three thousand short a month you're overspending that if you cut this this and this you'd be in balance and you could fund your 401k and if they say oh thanks i never saw that boom boom cut cut (laughs) problem solved that's where more information helps but so often it's like yeah i'll do that and they come back the next meeting nah i didn't do that Something got in the way, some expense came up, another meeting, no, I haven't done that. So it's the 80% of people who get stuck, it could be around designating beneficiaries, designating a guardian, um, implementing insurance, doing investment moves or allocations, anything where they get stuck. That's the tip of the iceberg. That's the warning sign that this is a deeper emotional issue. And so a financial therapist can spot the finances around it and then spot the emotional block around it and help them take a look at why, what's the fear, what, what's going on here, and uh, resolve that so they can get unstuck and move forward.
1: How do we know if we're stuck?
0: <laughs> you're stuck when you're not making progress. It's like a client is failing to progress. It's like I'm having the same discussion over and over. I'm visiting the same inaction over and over. And sometimes inaction doesn't necessarily mean the client is stuck. It could mean that the financial advisor is stuck and not listening to the client. So that's where it's so important for advisors to drop their agenda, really learn deep listening skills so that they can really help a client because the first thing you do when a client is stuck or saying, I don't know, I'll think about that. That's oftentimes resistance. And when we as advisors meet resistance, we need to, it means we're moving too fast. We've got to stop back up and really be with the client. And that's, that's a whole, uh, uh, skill set of deep listening.
1: Have you been able to, you mentioned you have two different practice. You have a different financial therapy practice. What is, talk about that. How is that different?
0: If the financial therapy engagement is different from the financial planning engagement. In financial planning, you can use some financial therapy like listening skills and things like that, which is called uh, financial life planning is one, one uh, word for it. But in the financial therapy, I'm not doing financial planning. I'm not collecting all of the data gathering and getting their insurance policies and doing all of that. I do have some financial intake. So I I have a thumbnail sketch of what's going on with the client. I might, uh, like in one case, I asked the client for tax returns and uh, we use FP Alpha. I fed that in and immediately had a thumbnail sketch of what was going on. So then I could help them address the emotions around the stuckness. And in this case, I'm thinking of, it's the stuckness of, do I want to continue doing my uh, business or not? What are the ramifications? And she was just stuck there. By me getting a little financial information, I'm like, ah, I got it. You know, um, I know the impact if she stops. And then we can look at those deeper issues, uh, many of which... Um, pop up, uh, like money scripts is a popular term and something that I helped co-develop, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, Money scripts typically form in childhood. Uh, We used to say by the age of 10, most people have their worldview of how money works. So we can go back to those times and say, well, yeah, you have this money script of uh, um, the money will run out. Let's see where that came from.
1: I think that's fascinating because we all have, I mean, I have stories of, you know, the scarcity complex that I learned from my parents with my dad, you know, saying things like money doesn't grow on trees. I'm not made of money. We can't afford that. And realized just recently had a breakthrough in that department of something I didn't realize I had been doing unconsciously emulating my dad's financial state, you know, for 20 plus years. There. So how do you, are there financial therapy clients who aren't financial planning clients and vice versa?
0: Yes, totally.
1: Do the financial- Very
0: few crossover.
1: Okay. That's interesting. I would think everybody would want both. The financial therapy practice is that that's obviously run as an outside business activity, Do you need, I mean, my wife's a social worker and a therapist. Do you need any separate license to be a financial therapist? And are you using the word therapy in that because it implies certain things?
0: Yeah. You know, therapy, think of financial therapy as you would massage therapy or physical therapy. It's a type of therapy. It does not mean psychotherapy. Now it could mean a psychotherapist also, for example, has their CFP. And so they... They understand both disciplines. The key is that the financial therapist understands both the dollars and cents world, the financial planning world, and the therapy world. For example, I am not a licensed therapist, psychotherapist. I am certified in something called IFS therapy, internal family systems. Uh, I'm a, a certified internal family systems practitioner. That gives me a modality where I can confidently help a person go deep, but I am not a licensed therapist.
1: Got it. Okay. Yeah. My wife is also certified in internal family system. So I know I have some inside baseball. I know what that is. Have you codified this into a specific process and are you licensing it to other therapists and or advisors and financial planners?
0: I have formed... IFS-informed financial therapy. Here's the problem, Seth, is your wife was fortunate because she got certified when you could get certified, meaning you could actually get into a training. Today, IFS is like the big thing in the mental health field. It's been around 40 years, but I have one of my associates has applied to the lottery. So you have to win the lottery to get into a training. And she's applied 22 times. So unfortunately at this time, I think I know one other person that has financial background and is an IFS therapist, but it's not popular only because people can't get trained. There's huge amount of interest in it, especially from those in the financial therapy association that are uh, even certified as financial therapists but they just can't get trained.
1: How has implementing financial therapy with clients helped your practice?
0: Well, it has helped me as the uh, financial planner, because, you know, I can't in sitting with somebody, I can't turn off deep listening skills. So it's really helped me. The process, though, when you come to someone for financial therapy, The mindset is a little different than when you come to someone for financial planning. And if you're going to cross that, it really needs to be a very intentional uh, conversation with either client, the financial therapy client or the financial planning client, that, okay, we're going to do this. It's a little different animal. So that's some of the cross-pollination. I have three clients that are... Started, we started as financial therapy clients and then crossed over into financial planning. Um, so it's, it's not a lot. And I have lots of financial therapy clients that have um, gone on. And the other, the other thing is in financial planning, we have minimums. And so a minimum to, to engage us, depending on the, the tier, could be $4,000 to $14,000. Sometimes you're dealing with people that don't have that amount of money that need and want financial therapy. So going on the hourly, which is typically how financial therapy is done, it can be much more affordable and approachable to somebody who really needs it.
1: Okay. Well, we know your time is incredibly valuable. This is fascinating information. Where can our folks go to learn more about the financial therapy side and how they might look at adding it to their practice?
0: yeah they can go to advancedwellbeing advanced-wellbeing.com and that's our financial therapy site um, i have a podcast called the financial therapy is not just about the money that can be found wherever that really focuses on that and they can also go to the financialtherapyassociation.org uh, to learn more about financial therapy
1: all right. Well, this has been Seth Green with Rick Taylor of Kaler Financial, Advanced Hyphen Wellbeing, the Instant, uh, the Financial Therapy <laughs> Association. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Um, thank you again, Rick, for joining us.
0: Okay. Thanks so much, Seth.
1: Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Forty-nine faces look to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.